Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Hello, spooky ladies and gals and guys and everyone in between. Welcome to another episode of Whining About Herstory, the women's history podcast where two longtime besties sometimes team up with other two longtime besties to talk about women from history you definitely should have heard of in the education system failed you. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And we are joined by two very special guests. We are joined by Rachel and Leah of Hashtag yes. Hey, ladies. Two ladies yes. very close to our hearts. It is truly the dream to like be a fangirl of a podcast and then have You're them so on sweet. your we podcast. We feel the same. We feel the same. For your audience that maybe doesn't know, we had you ladies on our podcast last season and we were both mm-hmm. fangirling as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, in honor of having our wonderful guests on our podcast... Well, actually, first of all, Rachel and Leah, could you tell us a little bit about your podcast for those of our listeners who may not have heard us gushing about yeah, you? Yeah, so we are Hashtag History, and the topics that we typically cover are history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, conspiracy and, and corruption. corruption. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of our tagline. Oh, my. So episodes, things we've covered are like Chappaquiddick, um, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire, Jack the Ripper, um, Jonestown, Jonestown, you name yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Pocahontas mm-hmm. and John Smith. I yep. just yeah, so that one the other day. Lizzie Borden, Lizzie yes. Borden. So we love covering kind of like <laughs> darker history. Um, and we drop weekly episodes every Tuesday. And something else that we do uh, that's a little unique to us is every week, uh, along with the topic that we are covering, we pair a cocktail with it that correlates in some way or another. So, Leah, I'm trying to think of an example of like a really good correlation cocktail that we've done before. I can't think of a single. Oh, uh, for we did like a deep dive into Leonardo da Vinci and we did. I can't remember the name of it, but it was the like Florence Fizz, the Florence Fizz, because yeah. he's from Florence. Yeah, so, you know, always a little connection there. I, I was just going to say, and in honor of having you as guests on our podcast, we are trading in our wine for some hard liquor. Yes. Yes. That's the only way to go. Yeah, welcome yeah. to the club, ladies. <laughs> yeah, it's girls' night, and we're not fucking around here. No. No. I love it so much. Yeah, so we have brought um, a cocktail to share. So this week, um, are, are, is it okay if I already announced what we're covering? Oh, please do. Okay. So this week, we are covering the Radium Girls. So in honor of that, we have a super neon radium green colored cocktail. And I have a confession to make about this cocktail before we begin. It's full of radium. Yeah. I don't know how that works. Riddled with radium. Yeah, we all made our own, but somehow radium ended up in all of our glasses. (laughs) Podcast well, girl magic. <laughs> yes. So typically on uh, our podcast, uh, Hashtag History, we wait to have the cocktail like together so that we can, you know, try it all together and have an impression all at the same time. My confession is this has been my quarantine cocktail since March. This has been my favorite cocktail for months upon months because when the world was going crazy back in March and people were running to Costco to get toilet paper and granola bars, my husband and I went to Total Wine and More. So, (laughs) And one of those things we bought when we were there was melon liqueur. We're like, this stuff looks pretty good. Let's try it out. And... We, you know, on the backside of the bottle, it had 
a recipe for the melon ball cocktail, which is what we are trying tonight. So this has been my go-to cocktail for a long time. And I have, on our own podcast, tried to correlate it to some episode somehow so we could drink it. Uh, So I'm really excited that we're able to do that tonight with the Radium Girls episode. See, I love that this cocktail has been field tested by you prior to the episode. I also love your survival instincts because toilet paper will not save you, but hard liquor (laughs) will definitely take the edge off the end of the world. Correct. Cheers to you. Correct. Cheers, ladies. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to have to give it a try now. And then uh, cheers to the ultimate crossover. Yay. So excited. Your guys's are more like white than ours are. I yours is ours are like neon green. Yeah. Yours Men, are perfectly colored. Yeah, yours literally. I saw them sitting there. I'm a little jealous. I think mine is because I have ice in it. Yeah, we don't oh. have ice in ours. Yeah, and mine it has didn't ice say also. ice. I know. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's oh, my yeah, bad. The second one says ice. My bad. You're come on, Rachel. Sh- I know. Oh, I'm sure it tastes shit. fine without ice. Good, right? Oh, <laughs> oh my god, creepy. I can't remember the last time I had like a cocktail other than maybe when we were on your show because, yeah. the, well, I, I've like been drinking Manhattans. Yeah, say, mm. The last time I've had a and wine cocktail because yeah. I, I had like an old old fashioned the other day. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. Actually, that is a bold faced lie because Kelly and oh, I yeah, went on a ghost mind. tour uh, up in the cities and we got these cocktails oh. at like. They were like a caramel apple teeny. Oh Oh my god, that sounds so fun! And And it came, you know, though, you know, those greens, uh, caramel apple suckers, where like the caramel and the green sucker is like mashed together to stir it. It was amazing. I am beyond jealous. There's a picture on our Instagram, I think. Oh, I'll have to look at it. I think, or no, maybe I saw that. That sounds vaguely familiar. And like caramel around the rim. Yes. Yeah. See, now Rachel and I drink cocktails regularly, like. Daily. (laughs) (laughs) You're my friends. It's okay. Not just on Tuesdays when the episodes come out. No. No, no, no. Yeah. But this one is so good, right? It is. It really is. This is is excellent. The problem with this one is... I'm going to have to make this again. Yes. The problem with this one is it's very, very, very easy to watch it disappear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know? I can tell I haven't drank vodka in a while. Because that's that's what very vodka forward, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and Leah is that uh, showing our bad side that I'm like there's vodka. In it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say vodka out of all of the alcohols is probably like it's tied for my least favorite with gin. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. know that about you. I mean, it's fine, especially if it's in a drink that like the other flavors take over. Hmm. But if I can taste it, I'm not. It tastes like rubbing alcohol. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I totally get I that. Understand. I only drink vodka to make something non-alcoholic alcoholic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Juice, splash. Yeah. soda. But I mean, yeah, you know, I'll dinner drink flavored vodkas. But again, it's because they're flavored and it doesn't taste like vodka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. lucky for me, there's enough melon liqueur in mine that I don't taste the vodka. All I taste oh, yeah. is the melon and a little OJ. So good. Maybe I just need to add more OJ to mine. I'm actually going to grab our OJ just to like yeah, go top for it, it off. and maybe some ice cubes. <laughs> I should have to go upstairs for that. Everything okay, else just off screen. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, I do think maybe yours needs a little more OJ. It's yours is perfectly colored. 
but it will taste better with more OJ. I only did uh, a shot of OJ. So like I did a did shot you? of Midori, a shot of vodka. See, we didn't even do a shot. We just did like a, a splash. splash. <laughs> oh, no. To top off. So yeah. I was like, well, well probably I'm just why topping ours were so bright. <laughs> I was say, yeah, the difference here is like the, the shots were about this much and then I topped off like this much. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you literally topped, topped off. off. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I just I just did equal parts Midori vodka. That's what I should have done. No, I'm drinking orange juice with some vodka and some melon liqueur. Got it. Okay. No, I mean it was good either way. <laughs> yeah, but now it's more of like a yellow green. Yeah, yellow. I was. It's Ditto. like neon. I like the I like the look of it without the orange juice. But then once you put, do the orange juice, it has like a more sickly color to yeah, it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It went yeah. from like Nickelodeon slime to <laughs> that fake puke you buy in the, the yes. end cap of the grocery to store. I don't know if this will show up at all if you ladies can see that, but I got a pretty good picture oh, with yeah. the, Ooh, that's the book in the background. So I'll send yeah. it over to you also. Cute. That's amazing. Actually, we should have done that. We just took a picture of our drinks with the ingredients behind. <laughs> oh, that works too. Yeah, we did that a lot too. Yeah. I did like your teaser photo. On your oh yeah people you know what's so funny is a couple people did pick up on it they and a lot a couple people were like oh my god I really hope you're talking about radium girls so that's really exciting um but so many people were like obviously you're talking about Abraham Lincoln because I have that huge Lincoln <laughs> yeah, picture that whole huge poster I'm, yeah that's I'm like not bitch. a subtle hint guys yeah no <laughs> bitch that's there all day every day like <laughs> that is not a hint this is my office <laughs> oh my Which god yeah but yeah so there are a handful of people that are super excited about a radium girls episode good i really want everyone who thinks it's about lincoln to tune in and be like what the fuck is this (laughs) especially because the people that said lincoln like they all were hella um like confident about it like a couple people were like obviously you're talking about lincoln or jesus christ wow i'll take the hint it's about lincoln or like those sorts of things like all right. <laughs> You're like, sure, think. you can think that. You're yeah, wrong, but <laughs> can't wait to drink your sad, salty tears later. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we should probably get started. All mm. right. I'm kind of sad. I'm I'm sad that we're missing out on your like sultry uh, reading of the bottle that you. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I could read the government warning on the (laughs) the off-brand melon liqueur (laughs) where it says women shouldn't drink in parentheses, small text, while pregnant. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's wow. I love it so much. All right. Well, as we've already thoroughly discussed, we are talking about the Radium Girls and uh, Kelly and I are going to get us started and you're going to learn all about glowing girls Honeycomb bones and falling jaws. And other things you probably don't want to know. And other horrific things. So strap in and strap on. It's gross. Yeah. (laughs) So if you know anything about Marie Curie, who unfortunately we'll probably never cover because she's a little too famous for us, um, but she discovered radium. Um, which is a radioactive element. And the other thing you may know about Marie Curie is that this discovery ended up killing her. In 1903, she and her husband, Pierre, were awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics for their revolutionary work with this new element. So radium proved to have incredible capabilities when used correctly. Mm. Radium was shown to eat away at tissue and was quickly utilized in treating cancerous tumors because it was eating away at the cancerous tissue. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. everyone seemed to somehow miss the point 
of how radium could be used to treat tumors and is just associated with health. They missed the fact that, you know, it could be anything but helpful. Right. Radium began appearing in every commercial product you could think of, including, and we're just going to go back and forth naming these off like fucking lightning round. Let's do it. Patent medicine like Radithor. Water and water bottles. Cosmetics. Toothpaste. Chocolate. Butter. (gasps) Heating pads because nothing's worse than radioactive cramps. Children's (laughs) toys and nightlights. Mud baths. Jock straps. Suppositories. (gasps) Condoms. (laughs) And penis pills. But they weren't really pills. They were more like radioactive wax rods you'd shove up your urethra. Oh, my God. Holy well, they would. At least I'm that's on the male side. <laughs> Nothing says I'm ready to have sex like having a wax rod shoved up inside your dick. <laughs> and the super disturbing thing, too, I'm sure you'll touch on this or you kind of already have. But the super disturbing thing is that it was simply associated with health. So people. Oh, yeah. oh cool. My toothpaste has radium in it. Now I really, really want it, you know, because right. it's, it's, because it's, didn't they say it was like an everlasting yeah, it was basically like this, this cure-all. Yeah. yeah, it was a cure-all. It'll extend your life. It'll make you healthy. It'll make you glow. It'll make it'll, your dick you know. bigger. Like, yeah, apparently. Yeah. You know, with it'll all give the you spelling. the best sex of your life with those condoms. Oh, my God. Horrific. Honestly, you probably don't need the radium in, condo- radium in condoms because they'll make you sterile anyway. Yeah, right. Right. Like, I would think. So other than being touted as a health supplement, the glowing properties of radium are made it useful for watch faces and clocks so you could read them in the dark. This was a booming industry, and one company that thrived during the radium revolution was the United States Radium Company, or USRC. It was founded by Dr. Sabin von Serhatsky under the original raid, original name Radium Luminous Material Corporation, which just rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, so catchy. <laughs> like, they used to have the yeah. longest names for companies, and it blows my mind because we're living in the age of Google and Facebook, Apple, Facebook, <laughs> Imager, Anger. They learned their it. lesson. <laughs> They're like, yeah. we're sticking to one word, <laughs> and it's not even going to be spelled correctly. <laughs> in fact, it's better if it's not. Let's confuse yes. them. <laughs> So uh, this company was located in Orange, New Jersey. And so the name eventually changes to USRC. But just for clarity and consistency, I'm going to refer to them as USRC throughout. Okay. And we know that they were super popular at this time, like you were saying about the watch faces and clocks, because one of the main reasons for that was... Uh, this War. was at the time, yeah, at the what time. What is of- it good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but make it again. <laughs> Come on now. Poisoning <laughs> people with radium. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. But I mean, I don't love it, but I. I, I like your singing. <laughs> I appreciate that. But yeah, like you were saying, I mean, it, it was war times and soldiers needed watches that they could actually look at and see the numbers in the dark. And that's what radium did for them. And so that's why this company was so booming at this time was because it was during war times. Exactly. Right. And like, it, we don't think of that as being such a useful thing because everything in our lives glows. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, Everything's I, digital these days. So you yeah. don't even think about it. But this was really revolutionary. And it was such a useful tool, especially in the case of a war where you need to know what your instruments are saying, what time it is, your coordinates, everything. And in some right. dark, muddy, shitty well, and, trench. And have it yeah. glow enough that you can see it, but not so much that it's going to like 
shine your position to the enemy. Totally. Yeah. So it was very much that they just painted like the numbers on these dials so you could see them, but you're not, yeah, like a freaking drawing attention in the woods. to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Right. So besides this company, let's just say the owner, Va- how did you say his name? Von Serhotsky. That's how they say that it in the audio. That is not spelled. That is not how it's spelled. That, so I was looking up <laughs> how to spell his name. It is so chalky, just saying. <laughs> so so I was trying to look up how to spell his name because I listened to the audiobook, The Radium Girls by Kate Moore. Mm-hmm. And that's how they said it. And I tried to spell that phonetically. And as Kelly said, this means, yeah, it's not even close. Yeah. There's a V and it an does. S It does. It looks there. like Von Sochalky. That's what yeah. it looks like. Yeah, the and what I always what I always do for all of our episodes is I'm very concerned about you know pronouncing names correctly. Very and you'll go concerned. To you, very concerned about it, just because I don't want to be like disrespectful of you know a name. Oh yeah. But then you go on YouTube and you like check out pronunciations of names, and you find like three videos, and every single one of them pronounces like, it all right, which completely the easiest yeah. for me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, let's just say Von Serhotsky. Yeah, is is a very interesting figure in and of himself besides his ur- uranium radium company, not uranium. There's another element that glows, though. <laughs> this is what happens when I finish my cocktail too oh, fast. Oh, my God. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm right behind yeah, you. Yeah, I'm pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> I feel like we should have had a prize for whoever finished their drink first. Another <laughs> shot. Won. I don't know. <laughs> shot, shot, shot. I get a no. second one. <laughs> Leah, why'd you say that so, like, hesitantly? You're like, another shot? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> I mean, we could. Like I said, we have everything for the drink right over there. God, those bottles are so big. (laughs) I mean, you got to use up the stuff, right? Yeah, right. So Von Zerhoski wasn't just cashing in on the radium craze. He had actually studied it with the Curies and was well acquainted with its dangers. Even in the early 1900s, it was known in the scientific community that radium was harmful. Like... Everyone knew it was bad, but the general public and people trying to sell products with radium in it didn't care and didn't want to care. Right. Von Serhotsky himself had cut off the tip of his own finger after it began to corrode due to radium exposure. Yeah, this guy's just a fucking gem. Oh, my God. He's such a weird dude. Yeah, he is. Because he wrote that one could only handle radium by taking the utmost safety precautions. Despite this, he was also known to stick his hands in radioactive paint just for the hell of it. I don't follow. It's for funsies. <laughs> I re-listened to the book and I still was like, I, can't, I don't get him. I can't get a read <laughs> on him. This is dangerous. I'm going to cut my fingertip off because it's corroding. But I'm also going to go stick my hand in paint filled with this chemical. Because that's how he gets his thrills. Yeah. Yeah. Weird yeah. dude. Seriously. Yeah. Could not figure him out. One Gross. too many melon balls. Yeah. <laughs> that was all like every day you just drink like 12 of them and then be like, let's go find that paint, guys. <laughs> yeah. Thank God we don't have access to radioactive paint because that is exactly where this podcast would be yeah, headed. We'd be, we'd be like, let's make ourselves shine. <laughs> <laughs> So Von Serhotsky would eventually pay for all of this craziness with his teeth, his fingers, and finally his life. Oh, but we're not quite there yet. His penis. And his penis? Probably. He probably, probably was sterile. Well, when you die, I guess you lose your penis like as a default. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, there were no machines to print the radium on watches during this time. And the company... Um, that the company made. So these were all hand-painted watches. 
USRC began hiring dial painters to hand paint the watch and clock dials. Most dial painters were young, poor, working class girls, some as young as 14 years old. Like, In fact, most of them were generally about, I would say, 14 to 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every once in a while, there were ones that were a little bit older, but generally, I would say, yeah, 14 to 25. They the could even range. skew younger because they did have a cutoff age limit. But if you said, I'm this, you know, yeah, many if you years lied old, about your age, they weren't asking yeah. questions. Or if, if you, or if someone was like, hey, this is my younger sister, exactly. I, I, I vouch for her. They're like, yeah, OK, sure. Bring her in. And we know that that happened a lot. There were a lot of siblings working in this factory. Absolutely. Oh, God, that was tragic. Mm-hmm. So compared to the dangerous, difficult and low paying factory jobs available, dial painting was a dream job. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Girls got to work not in a factory, but in a large studio with sunlight shining in through the massive windows. They were also paid 1.5 cents per dial. The quicker they painted, the more money they made. They could often make three times more than an average factory worker. Wow. Girls earned an average of $20 a week, which is $370 today, which like if you're poor, 14 years old, that's nothing to sneeze at. No. no absolutely top not. Earners, so the so top earners, the girls who could crank out a ton of watches could earn $2,000 a year or $40,000 a year in today's money. Wow. That is I mean, insane. That's good. No, that's what huge. I would do that's as huge. a 14-year-old with $40,000. That's like an entry-level state job here in California. Like, that's right. good. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, insane. like, I feel like you're doing... Like here, you're doing well. Here, you're doing a step above well when you're making like sixty thousand a year. So, like doing okay for yourself is at around four, fifty thousand a year at, now. And at fourteen years old, yeah. right? Yeah, and I'm you're talking it's like educated, like totally. I mean, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Also, man, your guys is like pay gap is significantly <laughs> above ours. Oh, I mean, it's California. Like, yeah, no, in, in California, you're not doing super well until you're making like more than 25 an hour. Silence. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking, taking a moment like, to feel inadequate. Well, no, it's not an. Like, it's like literally just like you were saying. One person's salary is like fifty thousand dollars a year when you're doing okay, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's like combined salary in Minnesota. No, no, if like combined salary here in California, if it's not Easily over like a hundred and ten, I mean, even at like a hundred and ten, you're doing about average am i right leah yeah and i mean we should also keep in mind we're like in sacramento which is like the capital it's it's a more expensive area yeah Yeah. so i mean if you go to more like urban or less urban rural areas then obviously pay is a little different just live where it freezes for half the year and it's fine (laughs) but yeah it is really amazing to see just the pay gaps and pay differences just Across from state states. to state. Even oh, from yeah. city right? to it's really city, it's kind of mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. But for these girls, these poor, poor girls, it wasn't just the pay that was drawing them in. Dial painting was seen as this glamorous profession, especially compared to working laborious factory jobs. So instead of working in a factory, the girls worked in a studio. Because they were able to earn higher wages, the girls were also able to afford the latest fashions. And in some dial painting factories, girls would actually wear their nicest dresses so that the radium particles and dust would cling to them and then make them glow when they like went out to parties in the evening. Mm, That's so Mm -hmm. crazy. 
And it wasn't just their dresses that would become coated in radium dust. The USRC was extremely protective of their expensive uranium. God damn it. <laughs> what? What is that? <laughs> what is that? I don't know. It's just another glowing chemical. <laughs> Kelly's planning to take over the world With and uranium. it's just bleeding into I'm, everything yeah, in her I'm life. She cannot it. separate her passion from her podcast. I've seen <laughs> it. They were extremely protective over their radium and would parade the girls through a dark room to detect the glowing radium particles and dust them off for reuse. Wow. Despite the dusting, the girl while, while the girls were undressing in the evening, they would find that even their corsets, their undergarments, and their skin would be covered and glowing. The dust was that pervasive. Yeah. Unlike USRC, other dial painting companies like Radium Dial in Ottawa, Illinois, which is pretty infamous in its own right, encouraged the dial painters to have fun with the radium paint, feeling that flaunting it was like free advertising. The girls here would paint their nails, teeth, and one girl even took some home to paint her walls. Mm. Like we, we all I had the glow in the dark I would do stars. That too. Yeah. Oh yeah, on the ceilings and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, I yeah. thought we were talking about stealing office supplies from work. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure 90% of people do that too. Um, oh my god. <laughs> The only people who don't steal supplies from work are teachers because they bought all their own right. supplies. Right. Oh, yeah. Yes. Not stealing one out yes. for the teachers. Yes. <laughs> Thank um, you, teachers. Thank yeah, you. Right? Especially in these days. Jesus. Oh, God. I needed to say something nice because I really called out the education system in my intro. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> we we love our teachers. We really do. Yes. So not only were there the pay and the glowing benefits, there was also a social aspect to dial painting. The companies they worked for often put on social events like picnics and the girls would become fast friends. Mm -hmm. They had a lot in common. They were mostly working class children of immigrants. They would eat lunch together in the studios, go out to parties and go to each other's weddings. So I used to work at a at a daycare as a preschool teacher and the environment that these girls are working in reminded me a lot of that environment because you're working with kids, they're screaming, they're crapping mm-hmm. themselves, <sighs> parents are bitchy, and they kind of be and your your fellow teachers become like your battle buddies almost. Like oh, yeah. you rely on them, you need them to be there for you, and you go through literal shit together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh. And a lot I, of them would go, you know, we'd go to each other's weddings and there was there was that social aspect. And even though I don't work there anymore, I'm still friends with them on Facebook yeah. and we keep in touch. And if we see each other out in public, we say hi. And that was such a nice feeling to have that sense of community. And I bet it must have been the same for these girls. Right. And I think the additional piece to that, too, is I know like a lot of people's work friends, my work friends, or, you know, people that could be twice my age and mm-hmm. have totally different interests than me, someone that I wouldn't under normal circumstances be friends with, but because we're work buddies, we become friends. The difference yeah. here is these women probably would have been friends with each other outside of the factory. They were around the same age. They had the same history, you know, family backgrounds. Right. And so it's a a, had they met not at work, they would have been friends anyway. Right. And so that just double enforces their relationship with one another is they would have been buddies anyway, but now they get to see each other every day, all day at work. But they also like if had they not been working these great jobs you know i'm using um air quotes here 
unsexy finger quotes. (laughs) (laughs) Had they not been working this great job, would they have the opportunity to go on a picnic with three of their best, you know, all of their best friends, all of their friends? Exactly. No, they wouldn't have. You're right. Yeah, go paint the town red in their glowing dresses. You're right. Yeah. So during World War One, dial painters were in high demand due to the painted wristwatch faces, instruments, gun sights, and more that were in high demand for the war effort. Mm-hmm. Some girls, such as Grace Fryer, who was actually a very important figure in the whole Radium Girls story, became a dial painter to do their their duty for the war effort. This was yeah. a patriotic thing. These the, Some of these girls were basically early Rosie the Riveters. Mm-hmm. Do- Dottie the Dial Painter. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. To paint the dials, girls would have to trace the already printed... Printed watches. Okay. Typo. Like, you forgot a word somewhere. I did. Um, would trace the already printed watches with a fine camel hair brush dipped in the radium paint. This was extremely delicate and skilled work. Sometimes the dial painters were working in margins of only a centimeter or less. Like, they had to be... Precise. Real good. <laughs> and they would even sometimes, if they smudge, they would use their fingernail to correct it and then like lick the paint off their fingernail mm-hmm. to clean it. <sighs> so even though the dial painters had these fine camel hair brushes, they would quickly dry out, matte, and split. To combat this, the girls were taught a very special technique called lip pointing. Mm. Uh, so first they would lick the brush, then they would dip the brush into the radium paint and then carefully trace the numbers on the dial. Mm. Lip, dip, point. With oh each round, God. the girls would swallow a little radium. Mm. And this was actually touted as a job benefit. See, instead of getting a 401k, you get to swallow radioactive paint. <laughs> With radium being considered a divine wonder drug, literally some people thought it was foretold in the Bible the girls were better off for swallowing the radium. It was an expensive commodity far outside the working girls' reach, even if they were getting paid a lot. They should be grateful for the opportunity to benefit from its biblical healing powers. It's also worth noting that while there were dial painters all over the world, American dial painters were the only ones to use lip pointing. Other countries used specialized stylists or wands for painting, completely eliminating any consumption of radium. Wow. So that that goes to show that these other countries knew the dangers of radium, oh, yeah. but so did America. They we just knew. didn't give a shit. And basically what happened is like, one company started doing that, trained their girls that way, and then as those girls moved to other companies and other areas, they trained the new girls that way, and that just became the norm. Right. And there was an idea that it was in such small quantities that the girls were swallowing that, like, well, yeah, if you're playing with a stick of radium or whatever, it's going to hurt you. But if you're swallowing just a little bit, it's not a big deal. If you're swallowing a little bit for every watch face you make, and you're making you know, 50 watches a day. Right. And some girls would have to uh, lip dip point like up to five or more times per watch watch face. So so some girls are getting more than others. Right. And you've already shared that the top earners were the people, they were making money based on how many watches they completed. So obviously you're working through these things as quickly as you can. And so you were rewarded for the more dials that you went through a.k.a. the more radium you consumed. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. 
Now, the popular thinking at the time was that radium wasn't harmful. However, as I mentioned, Dr. Von Serhotsky himself knew better. In fact, while making a rare trip to the dial painting studio, because he's a bigwig and he doesn't go on the, you know, work oh, floor. Why would you? <laughs> he saw one of the dial painters, Grace Fryer, whom I mentioned earlier, performing the lipid point method and warned her not to do that because it would make her sick. Ugh. This is coming from the dude who stuck his hands in pay. I don't get him. <laughs> <laughs> but when Grace asked her supervisor, because she was understandably startled by this, sure. uh, her supervisor, who was a woman who also didn't know better because she had been taught the lip dip point method herself, she was assured it's fine. It's fine. Mm. It's fine. I did it. I'm fine. <laughs> You're fine. So dial painting as this highly coveted position And oftentimes these girls would start out as apprentices. They would check and correct the dials from the other girls and practice their techniques before moving into the studio with the rest of these women. But there was plenty of room for new employees. When the United States became involved in World War I, there was a huge demand for radium-painted products, such as watches, gun sights, navigational instruments, and anything else soldiers would have to read in the dark of the trenches. USRC needed more dial painters to keep up with demand of lucrative government contracts. Lucky for them, they didn't need to look that hard. They didn't need to go on Indeed or LinkedIn. (laughs) Existing dial painters were quick to refer their friends and family members to the company to the point where sometimes an entire row of dial painters were all from the same family. Radium poisoning. It's a family affair. (laughs) That should have been their poster. Yeah. Oh, God. Put that on a bumper sticker. Right? God. Now, the USRC was making bank during World War One, but at the end of the war, they had to switch up their business strategy because people didn't need as many glow-in-the-dark gun sights, mm. which was just truly a shame. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the company expanded their operations to include radium medicine and recreational use of radium. Uh. Now the average Joe could buy radium paint to decorate their home, or manufacturers could buy the paint to make their own products. And like... Hearing that, I'm like, why am I not buying glow-in-the-dark paint right now, painting designs on my walls, and then turning off the lights? Oh, yeah. Like, I would do that in a I, heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Like, the glow-in-the-dark stars didn't have to stop at childhood. No, they like, do not. I would 100% buy one, of, like, because you can buy stuff that's, like, for like patterns for your walls, and then you paint the pattern. Oh, I yeah. Would do that, and then paint the pattern in radium or glow-in-the-dark paint and then at night it would just be like this really cool pattern on I my love walls. It. I would 100% do that. Right. I think that's one of the scariest parts about this whole story is how much I was like I would have totally done oh, yeah. that. I would have been right or on I would have totally worked there or I relate to these girls so right. much. Yep. Well and because the message that was being projected was it was not only cool it was good for your health. Yeah. So You'll not only longer. is it yeah not only is it cool that I can paint stars on my ceiling in my home but also it's going to help me live a longer life exactly and it it kind of so i've used cbd i'm not trying to throw cbd under the bus but it kind of made me think of like the cbd boom we're in right now Mm -hmm. where it's being said to cure everything from cancer to hemorrhoids to name something right you know and we all need to be mindful of what we're putting in our bodies Maybe one day CBD will be in that science museum exhibit. Yeah, we we <laughs> saw we saw an exhibit at the Science Museum of Minnesota all about uh, quack medicine and treatments, and radium had its own section. Oh wow, which was truly amazing. It's wow. Right alongside phrenology, which is great. Hmm. 
So fun little fact, the infamous radium watches were long seen as safe. Unsexy fingers. <laughs> as long as you didn't break the glass that covered the radium painted face. However, when they were actually tested, and this wasn't that long ago, this was maybe in the 2000s or so, it was found that they were actually doling out dangerous levels of radiation and any surviving radium watches should be safely disposed of. Wow. So even now, we're still like, it's not that bad, you guys. Oh, God, it's going to kill you. How intense would that be? Like, you know, you're like looking through your grandpa's stuff and you're like, oh, cool. Look at this old like World War One glow in the dark watch. (laughs) And then you hear on the news like, yeah, those are soups dangerous. You need to get rid of them. And it's been in your house for 40 years. Right. You're like, oh, Uh, so the USRC also dipped their toes into playgrounds. Oh. That's right. In 1920, the USRC was featured in the news for selling the byproduct of radium extraction, a white sandy substance, as play sand to schools and playgrounds. <sighs> the substance would bleach the shoes and clothes of the children, and some even reportedly got sick. However, no one suspected the miracle substance could be responsible. If anything, the children were healthier for playing in the stuff. The mom that's watching from the side, she's like, Johnny, just lick the sand. Lick it, honey. You just eat it. It's fine. Just Let eat your it. kids eat dirt. Yeah. Kids eat radioactive <laughs> sand. This is the one exception to allowing them to eat dirt. Please right? do. Like, this sounds like something from Fallout. Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. Like that whole dystopian end of the world kind of scene where it's like yeah radioactive playgrounds where little Johnny's shoes are getting bleached by radium I like Rachel's face went blank when you mentioned fallout (laughs) (laughs) all of you are like woohoo and I'm like I, I don't, talking? my husband plays it. It's a really good game. soundtrack. That's all I have to say about Fallout. <laughs> I've never played it, but I absorb pop culture through osmosis and Facebook I've, videos. I've played a tiny bit of Fallout 4. Yeah. Like a tiny bit, but it wasn't that great. So. Still a blank face. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game, a video game, it's Rachel. A video apocalyptic. Game. Hold on. Video we are going to pause this episode to all poorly explain Fallout. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So the following year, there was a hostile takeover and Dr. Von Serhotsky and his partner were ousted from the company. So this was when the Radium Luminous Material Corporation officially became the United States Radium Corporation. Mm. Because the USRC was expanding into these new markets, there was less demand for dial painters and they began to downsize their painting studios. This couldn't have come at a better time because residents living near the factory and studio were complaining of fumes and discolored laundry that had been left out to dry. Oh my god. Yeah. The radium factory was smack dab in the middle of residential neighborhoods. Ugh. In fact, although honestly, they should be lucky to live there because they're getting like the byproduct health benefits of the radio. Right. Well, yeah. <sighs> right. Their taxes are crazy, but they're going to live forever. <laughs> In fact, USRC even tried to pay off some of the residents who complained uh, because they were getting like discolored laundry and feeling sick and blah. But this resulted in a flood of other people crying foul and demanding satisfaction. USRC learned a lesson from this experience, and it was the wrong lesson. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't stop being an asshole. It was be a sneakier asshole. Yeah, right? find pay a more subtle way. Tab- pay people under the table, not publicly. Or don't pay them at all. Everyone. Deny, deny, deny. Exactly. As USRC began to downsize, 
the girls began to find work elsewhere. Many remained friends, but as they began to move on with their lives, um, they got other jobs, got married, and began to build families. All of them thought they had left the United States Radium Corporation behind. Tragically, their time as dial painters would never, ever leave them. It couldn't. On a physical level. Oh, wow. Bones. All right, ladies, what do we want to do? I think we want to make another cocktail because that bummed me the hell out. <laughs> well, it all, you know it only gets worse from here. Yeah. I know, which is why I need another cocktail to drown my sorrows. All right. So welcome back, everyone. Well, welcome back to us. We all went and created ourselves. Do we already talk? Well, we're going to talk about it again. Created ourselves another drink. This one called The Last Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it may or may not turn our shits green or blue. We're, we're not sure. But <laughs> we'll, keep, we'll, we'll update you in the next episode. Watch our Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It won't be a picture of our shit. It'll just be us going, yeah. What, happened, what we thought would happen happened, guys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. God damn. I'm well, I think we might have I'm like dead. killed I'm ourselves. Dead. I'm dead. <laughs> oh my okay. God. Well, we need to talk about what happened to the women after working um, with radium for such this long. This will be sobering. Yeah, this will be sobering for sure. So, what happened to these unfortunate women? <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> so She's thinking about watch Instagram our pictures. Stop. <laughs> watch our God. Okay. All right. I I think we all need to take a moment so we don't start giggling about like blue and green shit before we talk about these poor women's bones literally decomposing. Yeah, you don't want a sound clip. (laughs) After this episode, I'm going to send you guys a really. You'll have to look at it. It better not be a picture of your shit. (laughs) No. It's of this it's like definitely it's, it's a of this guy at a like, comedy club and the way he laughs and the way he laughs makes everybody else like I love I'll it. send it to you okay. after and you'll understand. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting serious. These women were treated so horrifically. Yeah. I'm ready. So chemically, radium behaves very much like calcium. And this is according to Timothy Jorgensen, a radiation expert at Georgetown University, who authored uh, Strange Glow, the story of radiation. So since the body uses calcium to make bone, ingested radium gets mistaken for calcium and gets incorporated into the bone. So the major health risk of ingesting radium is radiation-induced bone necrosis and bone cancers, among quite a few other symptoms. Fun stuff. All of which are horrifying. Just the word necrosis kind of makes you go, ugh. Yeah. So as you might suspect, many of the radium girls began to show signs of anemia. They suffered very frequent bone fractures. And this part gets me the most, and I'm probably not just me. They suffered from necrosis of the jaw, a condition known now as radium jaw. As as me and Emily are both like touching our jaws, like... Like yeah. reading about this was like seeing someone get their hand slammed in a door where I was like, my bones are okay, aren't they? Oh, I recommend so everyone read Radium Girls. Like it's a great book or listen to. It's a great book. But yeah, there are parts that I'm just like, Ugh. I'm like touching myself like on my jaw or like, you know, various parts like, oh, oh God. Like, yeah. oh God. Yeah. yeah. Now we know 
this was because workers were encouraged to dab the paintbrushes on their tongue to make their brush strokes more precise, like you guys talked about earlier, all the while ingesting this radium in the process. A woman named Molly Magia that had worked as a radium girl quit her job at the factory because of how sick she was. Again, this pain started in her jaw, which we know is not surprising since they were literally putting radium directly in their mouths over and over throughout the course of their workday. I just want to say that anytime I get jaw pain from now on, I'm going to be like freaked out that my jaw is going to fall off. Yeah. Completely freaked out. (laughs) Magia's dentist pulled the tooth that they believed was the source of the pain, but what happened was the gaping hole where the tooth had been extracted from never healed. I feel like we should take a picture of all of our faces while we're going Please through do. all this stuff. It's just like... Just, yeah, it's like... <laughs> Leah's- you know how when you get your your wisdom teeth removed yeah. and they like warn you about like dry socket. Dry socket. I had, yes. I had dry socket. This is like the ultimate worst version of that. Uh. Yes. Yes. I had dry oh. socket and I have no place whatsoever to complain about my pain <laughs> compared to these ladies. Because, yeah, no, you should take mm-hmm. a picture of all of us being like, yeah, hey. you should Leah, whatever. Feel free to snap a shot. <laughs> Okay. Because, so, Magia's dentist, she pulls this, he pulls this tooth that they believed was the source of the pain, but what happened was this gaping hole where the tooth had been extracted from never healed. Okay, get ready for this. This is really, really gross. <laughs> Collective groan. Like, I know what's coming and I'm still like, uh. Instead of healing... The hole where he had removed the tooth from turned into a huge ulcer full of blood and pus. I hate that word. Yeah, that (laughs) word just makes me want to go. uh. Uh, With each tooth removed, another ulcer developed. Can you imagine having multiple oozing ulcers in your mouth? Like, I complain like it's the end of my life when I have, like, a canker sore. Oh, right? Yes. You know? Yeah, you're like, oh, God, my mouth. No. But the thing about this, too, is not only are they in constant pain, but think about the taste and the smell. Oh, this- oh. Like, even if there is no smell because it's in your mouth, but, like, yeah, like. No, there's the t- there's a like, smell to I've- other people. Oh, that's, yeah. that's true. It's like, like having the worst case of halitosis. I've never tasted pus before, but I can only imagine how disgusting that would be. Oh, yes. Yeah. And the fact that you're tasting blood all the time and the yes. fact that once you ingest a certain amount of blood, you start throwing up because your body can't handle that yeah. amount of iron in and your I've, stomach. I've always said that tooth pain or like earaches toothaches or earaches are like the worst pain because it is in your head and you can't escape it that's how i've always felt yes your ears and your jaw and your brain like it it literally like if you look at the nerve sorry this is my like psych please break yeah Yeah. but like all the nerve endings from your jaw to your tooth to your sinuses they're all connected it's why when you get like a sinus headache a lot of times you'll get uh, an ear infection yeah God. it's because they're all connected so i can only like imagine living with that and it's literally it's a nightmare every like, time they try to help you they're making it worse yes oh. 
Yes. And that's what he was attempting to do. Her dentist, he she comes in and says, my mouth is really aching. I'm not sure what's going on. He says, let's pull this tooth because it looks like there's something going on there. And instead, he ends up creating a bigger problem because mm. the hole from which that tooth was pulled from never healed. Yeah. That's got to be so frustrating, too. So I, I have problems with my hips. The the joints just don't fit together quite right. Mm-hmm. And it was causing tearing in the cartilage. Mm-hmm. And for many, many, many years, I was going in being like, I have debil- debilitating hip pain where it would hurt so bad that even if I breathed too deeply, I would feel oh, it in my man. hip. Wow. And I like I wouldn't be able to move. I wouldn't be able to do anything. And I got so many different diagnoses sure. of what it was. And the end of the story of each of those was take a bunch of Tylenol right. and ibuprofen or we'll prescribe you narcotics that I really didn't want to take. Yeah. And finally... After enough bitching and moaning from my end, they gave me an MR and they're like, oh, yeah, your joints are fucked up and your cartilage is torn to hell. And I two hip surgeries later. Oh, my God. It's fixed. But I would get an answer, have a name for what I was fighting, and it still wasn't enough. And then so, so to finally get it resolved was such a blessing. So the confusion the frustration and the pain that this girl is going oh, and through. The panic. Like, how much would that be if the doctor is like, hey, I'm going to fix this issue. And then like a week or a month later, you're like, now I just have this gaping wound in my mouth. Right? And I'm still in this immense amount of pain. Yeah. yeah. Right. Truly So horrifying. that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> now, while we're on the topic of the horrendous damage radiation did to these women's jaws, we do have a couple pictures to share with you guys. We want to hear your reaction. The first is an infamous depiction. Did you of, actually share them with us? I hope yeah, so. They're, oh, I they're in the Google Drive. So oh, you can on. see them on my end, too. Okay. Yeah, the first one is like pretty infamous, um, infamous, and uh, it shows the, a depiction of radium jaw. And the second is not for the faint of heart. Uh, it is an actual image of one of the girls suffering from the condition. Oh, I didn't realize that they got like, what is that? Like a it's a tumor or like, oh, yeah, like yeah. that. No, it's a tumor oh, the size of a that's... football. Yeah, like and it's just right off of her jaw. Like for those of you who can't see it, like. It it is literally just this mass growing out of her chin. Yeah. Oh, she God. and she looked like the one what so one's a side view and one's a front like a full face view. Mm-hmm. And in the full face view, you can just tell she's that miserable. She is in pain. Oh, yeah. for she sure. Is she is miserable. If she's conscious, oh. she's right on the verge of passing out for you know, oh, yeah. from the pain. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's and terrible. this isn't this isn't to make light of what she's going through, but like the big jaw. It, it, it's almost cartoonish because it doesn't look like a human being right. mm-hmm. should look like that or their face should have that shape right. or that amount of mass coming off of their face. Like it it's really horrifying. Me, when you said cartoonish, it, it reminds me a lot of like Popeye and his weird arms, like how his forearms are huge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that, but with her face face it's oh, really yeah. terrible and it's real life. right it's like her jaw got like and she's so extended. young you yeah. can tell she's just she's probably in her late teens yeah. maybe no mm-hmm. she's definitely under 25 under 22 yeah. i would say yeah now probably the worst thing that i read in all of my research on this topic is this so 
Remember the woman I just mentioned a moment ago, Molly Maggia, the one that had been going to her dentist to have her teeth extracted. At this point, she is having tooth after tooth removed until she basically had nothing left. During a particular visit with her dentist, the dentist very gently placed his fingers in her mouth and literally took her jaw off. (gasps) It literally melted away from her face like he just touched it and just, oh God. gently yeah. he oh removed her God. jaw this is a quote not by an operation but merely by putting his fingers in her mouth and lifting it out God, Can you terrible. imagine not only just the horrificness of all of this, imagine being her and the total and complete shock of watching your jaw come out of your face. Well, like, who, like, okay, this is com- semi-related, but also completely unrelated. Like, one time when I was at the orthodontist, they removed a tooth, and I didn't know <laughs> until the end when they were like, oh, by the way, here's your tooth. And then I was like, the fuck? <laughs> like, and that's the question, like, was she, like, in so much pain that she didn't even, like, notice it until he pulled it out? Or, like, I don't, oh God, I don't. I'm sorry. I just, like. No, I don't know because I don't know. Yeah, if, there's no way. I don't know if you ladies ever have these dreams, but the the dreams of where your teeth are falling out. Yes. yes. It, like, means something. Yeah, right? it does. I have, I have a, it means you're losing control of your life is what it yes. I mean, <laughs> do you want me to, like, psych this up and tell you that dreams mean nothing? Because I could. My, oh, yeah. Um, excuse me. I can me. this whole tangent excuse about how your me, dreams psychology master's degree person. Um, My dream book. Tells you. me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I actually I find dreams fascinating, but like technically, yeah, you know, I would yeah. love that to know that dreams don't really mean anything because technically it, it's it's your brain just piecing random shit together and making a story. That makes that's what our brains better. do. Yeah, I was gonna say I can usually trace my dreams back to something very specific, yeah. even if it's all a bunch of random items. So, like, well, I did watch this, I did hear this, right. and th- technically that that is what it is. Agreed. Yeah, I started having. Um, so I used to swim for many many years competitively, and when I stopped swimming, I started having dreams where I was swimming in the pool and I couldn't like put my hand cleanly in the water, oh, like my hand would curl, and it was this weird stress about like you've been swimming competitively since you were five years old and you stopped doing it it was such a big part of your life and now you feel like oh you're not gonna be able to do it again I actually had a tooth break in my sleep and that's when I started having tooth falling out dreams yeah because my my jaw spasmed I had a new like crown put on and it broke straight in half and now I have teeth nightmares yeah Yeah. I know what my dreams mean (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I'm just stressed. Sure, but I, I would just say, like, even those dreams of teeth falling out stress us out so much, and the, the shock of it in our dreams. Can you imagine her right? watching well, the wake up and you're like, "Oh God, face. my teeth!" Oh, right, yeah. God. and this was her real life. I oh God, I think I'd pass out from sure the, the shock. Well, because well, because have you ever had an injury where you don't? necessarily realize you're injured mm-hmm. until you see the blood and then you're like oh my god that hurts so like right i once i had a head injury and i didn't realize i had a head injury and if you've ever had a head injury you know how badly head injuries bleed mm-hmm. even though you might not even be that injured. Right. head injuries bleed like crazy because right. you just have so many veins but like 
I didn't realize I was injured. And I was just kind of like, ow, I hit my head. That hurt until I pulled my hand down and my hand was covered in blood. And then I was like, that really oh. hurt. <gasps> yeah. And I'm like, and I wonder if that's kind of how it was for her that she was like, oh, I'm kind of in pain. Right. And then he pulls her jaw out and she's just like, oh, my God, that's my jaw. <sighs> I, I truly I can't put into words. I can't I know. imagine. Like, there's no way to imagine what. That must have been like it's no. the stuff of nightmares. It really yeah, is, it is. and unfortunately, it was. We're all life. gonna have this joint nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> we are. All of our all the teeth are falling out tonight, guys. Yep. Look, look, look forward to that on our Instagram. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to wear my bite guard and retainer. <laughs> Me too. I'll put my mouth guard in tonight. Pro right? show. Oh god, I think <laughs> yeah. I need to buy one of those. Now, quickly after. This horrific visit to the dentist, the rest of Molly's body continued to deteriorate. Later, the same year that she had quit her job at the radium factory, the disease that no one had a name for spread to her throat and ate away at her jugular vein. On September 12th, 1922, her mouth overflowed with blood so, so like, much. In- Go ahead. Sorry. I would say so it like internally ate her jugular yes. vein, not even like externally yeah, because that like in horror movies, that's what you see. Like if somebody cuts at your neck and that spray of blood, that's your jugular vein. It's yeah. so much pressure. So it's like, oh, You're, I, I'm really glad that you made that that point that, yes, internally, her jugular vein was disintegrating. Oh, God, that's terrible. And so it got to a point where it broke through and her mouth overflowed with blood so much so that they couldn't stop it. She died at only 24 years old. Essentially, she like suffocated on, on her, own her own blood. Blood. Yes. Oh, God, that's terrible. But not knowing mm. the true cause of her death, they put down on her death certificate that she had died of syphilis. So fucked Wait, up. What? So something syphilis symptoms, even similar. No, no, no. So something that's really interesting about her case is uh, there was a weird bit of uh, like old school slut shaming going on Yes, because she was making so much money at the radium factory. She was 24 years old, but she was unmarried. So she moved into this boarding house with other single women. Yes. And she was tested for syphilis. At one time and it came up negative a second time it did come up positive but it seems like that was a false yes. positive and so basically they had nothing else to say and they're like well she's already a single woman living on her own right. what do you expect and she, right. and she had this positive so okay I lost one of my earrings <laughs> um, we- I am drunken at home and I lost an earring <laughs> it's best to lose it at home because yeah, you'll find it you eventually it. Yeah, it sucks when you lose it somewhere else but Going off of what you were just saying, we actually, on our podcast, uh, we just covered the Tuskegee experiment, and so we did a deep dive into syphilis and what the symptoms of it were, and I can guarantee you that having ulcers in your mouth and having your jaw detach and And having your jugular vein breakthrough is not a symptom of syphilis. Yes. None of those are symptoms. Yeah. Like, there are some pretty terrible symptoms of syphilis. Like, if it gets to the point where you're going to die from it. Oh, yeah. That is not one of them. No. Correct. But let's just slut shame the dying girl. No big deal. Yes. Now, Molly would be the first of the radium girls to die, but she would not be the last. By 1927, more than 50 women would die as a direct result of poisoning 
from the radium paint. So bad. So someone really important to this story was a doctor named Harrison Martland. In 1925, he began conducting tests that officially proved that these women had severe radium poisoning. Even though everyone already knew it. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Even though everyone was like, hmm, guys, I think there's a joint joint thing here going on yeah so he essentially determined that the radium that they had ingested during the course of their work had settled into their bones and was essentially making holes in everything uh Mm. including their bones veins teeth while they were still alive so i think earlier you mentioned like honeycomb and i've also heard it uh related to swiss cheese like oh, all of these yeah. images yeah, it's terrible isn't it yeah bone turning into swiss cheese is oh what my God. you know i've heard it compared to so their bones were quite literally glowing uh some women realized that they had radium poisoning when they walked by a mirror in the dark and they could see that they were glowing uh martland sadly determined that once the poison was inside um Inside of these women, it couldn't be removed. It was an official death sentence. And that is one of the most tragic parts about this is when you hear some of the the women's testimony and because these symptoms manifested several years down the line, sometimes many years after they quit radium uh, painting, they are women. You know, they've grown. Some of them have married. They have children and... They're talking like, I I just hope that, you know, maybe by some miracle science will find a cure or one day they will find a cure for this. And talking about the story in 2020, knowing that even now there is nothing that could be done and that the that these women were still holding on to some semblance of hope that maybe they wouldn't die. I know, but I feel like you have to. Yeah. 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 To get through the day. Psychologically. You have to. But having no pun intended 2020 vision, (laughs) it's really... (laughs) Laughing a little too much. It's extra tragic. (laughs) Well, so this is where it takes us to the legal battles that these women went through. So U.S. Radium and other watch dial companies continued to reject claims that dying workers were suffering from exposure to radium and for some time doctors dentists and researchers even complied with the request from the companies not to release their data at the urging of the companies workers deaths were attributed by medical professionals to other causes and like rachel said usually syphilis Right. Because everyone knows the sluts well, yeah. paint the watch faces. Well, and, right. Well, and that's the thing. It was very easy to be like, well, look at this unmarried girl. Right. Like, yeah. it must have been syphilis. Clearly, she was sleeping around. Right. And yeah. and the big thing about that, too, so the cause of death of syphilis was used against the women, like you shared earlier, Emily. Keep in mind, though, that this is the early 20s. Granted, some of these women, because of the money they were making from the radium company, were able to live on their own. But for the most part, this is a time when if you were not married, oftentimes you were still a virgin and still living with your parents up until the day you got married. So many of these radium girls were young, unmarried virgins. But instead, this death sentence of syphilis was used against them to say they were promiscuous and had brought death upon themselves. So terrible. 
It's, just, the, it's that's just classic disgusting. victim blaming. It's yeah, like, well, it you must have done something inappropriate that caused you to die such a horrible really, death. Clearly, this is somehow your own fault. Right. <laughs> like Leah said, the United States Radium Company continued to deny for some two years that there was a connection between the radium the women had been handling in their job capacity and their untimely deaths or illnesses. To combat these rumors, in 1924, the company hired an independent expert to come in and look at their business practices. The company had seen a pretty hefty downturn in business because of all the rumors going around in relation to the sick radium girls. Unlike before, when this was a super coveted job, many women now refused to work there. Shocker. (laughs) They hoped that this independent expert would be able to dispel all of those rumors and that business would boom once again. Because this was an independent study, though, they got real answers, not the answers they wanted. The- I mean, thankfully, though, like, because sometimes they're like, oh, it was an expert. Yeah, sure. Like, you know, they're still either falsified information or they spin it in a way well, that's like, oh, clearly this wasn't our yeah, fault. My yeah. friend Kelly, we will get there. <laughs> <laughs> but as for right now, we are onto an independent expert that was able to confirm that there was a connection between the radium and the women's illnesses and untimely deaths. And this pissed the president of the radium company off. He turned around and paid for experts to come in and lie about these results and say that there was no connection between the radium and the women's illnesses and deaths. Oh, wow. We got there real quick. Very yeah. fast. <laughs> Same <laughs> paragraph. <laughs> Truly, you are one sentence ahead of me. <laughs> and these here were the reports that he published and turned over to the Department of Labor under the guise that they were the original report conducted by the independent expert. Gross. So now the women were left in this awful limbo position. They know that their illnesses were a direct result of their work at the radium company, but the company has denied this backed by paid scientific reports and they are being publicly called liars and sluts and sluts. (laughs) Right. It's important to understand why the company would be so adamant in their denial of these claims because In addition to admitting that they had done wrong to these specific women, they would also have to admit that they had done wrong to the American public as a whole. So remember, you ladies talked about it in the first half that radium was being put in chocolate, in toothpaste, in lipstick. They would have to admit to the American public that they had lied and that they had put them in direct danger. Think about the children, the bleached children. (laughs) You mean those urethra rods were bad for me? (laughs) (laughs) That one to me is like, yes, Emily, they were. (laughs) Yeah. That one to me is like, why would you do that in the Like, that just sounds uncomfortable. Yeah. That doesn't sound worth it. I'm sorry. Maybe (laughs) it's because I'm a woman, but I'm like, that doesn't sound worth it. It, Here's the thing. It doesn't surprise me because even to my work email, I get inundated with... Make penis larger spam email. Me too. Me too. So I love when I see that in my work email. I'm like, really? Yeah. Every day. Oh my gosh. Now, this will come as no surprise to anyone, but nobody took the women's claims seriously until, drumroll please, the first male employee of the radium company died. Of course. I bet he was white too. Of course he was. (laughs) 
Dr. Edwin Lehman, the company's chemist, died suddenly in 1925. Since he had never had direct regular contact with the radium like the girls had, they conducted an autopsy to determine his true cause of death. But when they did the autopsy, they found that his bones were so radioactive that, quote, when left on an unexposed photographic plate, they photographed themselves. Wow. Well, that just sounds really efficient to me, said the radium president <laughs> in the spin situation. <laughs> oh, well, I also God. think that it's interesting that they they did that. Like, was it an accident that they, like, leave his remains on the plate and then go, like, to take the photograph and realize that they had already had Excellent one? point. Like, Excellent point. I'm like, who figured this out? <laughs> but yes, now that a man had died, they started taking the women seriously. Of course. Yeah. All of the women involved in this were so, so incredible. But one particular woman that we've mentioned before already was named Grace Fryer. And she stands out because she was the first in 1927 to decide to sue U.S. Radium. Grace is incredible. She was in her late 20s when she brought forward this lawsuit. She brought forward the lawsuit with a literal crushed spine, which required her to wear a back brace. Four more women that had worked at the factory and were now dying from radium poisoning joined in the lawsuit. Saying the names of these women is so important, so here they are. In addition to Grace Fryer, Edna Hussman, Catherine Schaub, and sisters Quinta McDonald and Albina Larice joined together to sue the company. And thus became dubbed the Radium Girls. Finding an attorney willing to take on this huge American corporation wasn't easy. In addition to that, simply the logistics of bringing forward, sorry, I clicked out for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Simply the logistics of bringing forward this lawsuit before the court weren't easy because you had some women that were bedridden and other women that quite literally could not raise their hands in order to take an oath. That is how sick they were. Oh, and ju- well, I feel like, right. like bringing these women into the court like that alone should have been enough for people to be like, like but look at these women. The most horrific piece of this whole court case is that these five women essentially had to prove to the court that they were dying in order to win the right. case. Well, and they had to accept that fate, too. Like they had to accept the fact that they were dying because of this, you know, right. thing this company put them through. Right. In order to do this, there was actually a case in the Radium Dial Company in Ottawa, Illinois, which Kate Moore discusses heavily in her book, Radium Girls, Mm -hmm. where one of the Radium Girls there was told by her doctor, like, you may not die like this is going to be okay because this man could not did not have the heart to tell tell her her that this young woman this young mother that she was dying and so when he had to testify in front of her he was asked point blank is this fatal and he hesitated and he's looking at her and he has to say (sighs) yes yes." and she just breaks down her husband is there and that is how she found out she was going to die right in she, the middle of this yeah, court battle ter- I, right. I read that part and i i was like in tears yeah. myself i was like how heartbreaking right because of this and because of the women's severely declining health 
between the first hearing and the second, none of the women were able to attend because they were so, so ill. The women chose to settle out of court just days before trial was to begin. Although each woman had initially requested 250000 in damages, the equivalent of $3.7 million in today's money, they would each settle for only $10,000, the equivalent of less than $150,000 in today's money. And an an ooh, excuse me, and an annual payment of six hundred, less than nine thousand in today's money. Not that this annual amount matters, since none of the women involved in this lawsuit would live more than five years after the settlement. That's heartbreaking. These women took this settlement simply to pay off as many of their medical expenses as possible, to not leave their families in crippling debt, and to hopefully live out the last few months to years of their lives in as much comfort as could possibly be afforded. So this particular lawsuit and settlement Rachel just talked about took place in New Jersey. But there were, of course, other lawsuits throughout the country against several other radium companies. So in Illinois, in particular, uh, the Radium Dial Company there fought a similar lawsuit brought forward by five women in which the company appealed the case a total of eight Mm. times because they lost all eight times uh, before they were finally forced to pay Mm. the plaintiffs. The Illinois (laughs) cases are particularly heinous because we know that they knew that Radium was directly involved in the deaths of their employees and began interfering with their autopsy reports and death certificates to make sure that they reflected otherwise. Yeah, when you... Not to say... Sorry, go ahead. No, just when you step on someone's legacy, it's unacceptable. Like... Yeah. You can't even allow the person to die with some dignity. Right. And not to say that USRC acted any more nobly than any of these other company companies because they were truly heinous. But Radium Dial in Illinois almost struck me as more heinous mm-hmm. because they saw the storm coming. They and heard they what was like, going on in New Jersey right. and they were particularly aggressive in trying to head off what they knew was coming and just the amount of forethought and preparation and just trying to head that off it was truly sickening we did primarily focus on the u.s radium factory in new jersey throughout this episode because it was the site of the most infamous cases of radium poisoning But we know that in the 1920s, approximately 4,000 employees were working in radium company painting, oh, working in radium companies, painting radium dials all across the United States and even Canada. The U.S. radium factory case, though, changed radium company practices forever. Following the exposure of the horrific practices occurring at the company, Companies across the country declared that their employees would never lip dip again. Dial painters were also provided with protective gear that would keep them from ingesting and breathing the paint. (sighs) Literally the least that they could do. The fact that it's still like, or not still, but like after all of this took place, continued to happen, even with some protections is just... Right. Well, it's the fact that this had to take place in order in order for them to take it seriously. Well, right. Since one of the owners of the 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 original company knew how dangerous it mm-hmm. was, and it was from just day one, like meh. 
And he actually, uh, so even though he got ousted from his own company, Von Serhotsky testified in the New Jersey case, but USRC had kind of gotten to him. So yep. Grace Fryer called him out, was like, that dude told me I'd get sick. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. My fingers like, no, are falling off yeah. for other reasons. Right, right. I have no fingernail on three fingers for other, like from other cause. <laughs> I just yeah. pulled them off. Pay you no know. attention to the lack of fingers on my head. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, so this case was one of the first ever in which an employer was actually held responsible for the health of its employees. Uh, this case led to the passage of laws that gave employees the right to receive compensation for occupational illnesses, mm-hmm. the enactment of labor safety standards, and ultimately led to the establishment of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or as we all know it today, OSHA. Mm-hmm. My mother-in-law works at, for, at the hospital for OSHA compliance. And she can thank the Radium Girls for that. <laughs> <laughs> The majority of the women that worked for the radium factories died in their 20s, and some were lucky enough to live into their 30s. Like, I would be dead by now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I'm well, thinking I think about. I think pretty much all of, us dead. Would. Yeah. all of us would. That's, oh, God, that's terrible to yeah. think about. Yeah. Amazingly, the oldest survivor, May Keen, died in 2014 at the age of 107. Oh my God, are wow. you serious? I feel like she was just like, she was just like, I'm going to hold on and fucking prove this like wrong or whatever. Right. She did as told on her first day of work and attempted to lip dip with the radium paint, but hated the taste and never did it again. Good for her. Because I remember other girls in the book mentioned like, oh, it tasted terrible, but I did it anyway. Well, of course they did it anyways. So they were getting they were getting paid by dial, wouldn't you? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So after only three days, she actually ended up leaving the job at the advice of her boss who said they could tell she just didn't enjoy the work much. Yeah. She was one of the lucky ones. Right? Like good thing she listened, because I'm sure there were plenty of women that were like, Yeah, I don't like it, but I need the money. Right. How ironic is it that she was bad at her job and that saved her life? Absolutely. Yeah, in that moment, you're like, Great, I just lost maybe the best job I'll ever have in my whole life. And because of losing it, you live to hundred and seven years old. Yeah. And then within like twenty years, you're like, you know, I apparently made a good decision. Oh, right. It's it's one of those good life lessons that, you know, when everything feels like it's blowing up, sometimes it's just one door closing for another to open. I know that was super cheesy, but it is one of those good it's life true. lessons, right? So these poor women that died as a result of radium poisoning should be considered heroes, of course, because of their mm-hmm. sacrifice. We know so much now about radium, its effect on the human body, and we also owe to them so many of the occupational safety laws we have today. Yeah. Speaking of these women and their everlasting legacy, they are still shining to this day. And I don't mean that figuratively. Visiting the grave sites of these women is still dangerous to this day. Radium has a half-life of 1,600 years, meaning that nearly 100 years after the deaths of many of these young women, their bodies are still glowing in their graves to this day. I mean, like, because, yeah, my same thing is, is like, I still want to go visit these graves, not necessarily because I want to be, like, radiated, but, like... They deserve it. They deserve 
people paying them respects, but it, you know, like it's like how crazy is that? Like, yeah, no, it's super sad. Sixteen hundred years. This whole story sounds like it was made a made up horror story. Yeah. It sounds like a dystopian novel, like the, like the Hunger yeah. Games or something. Yeah, because the idea of your body literally decomposing really while you're still alive you are glowing your body even a hundred years after you have died this horrifying death is still glowing it sounds made up but that's the radium girls (laughs) well rachel and leah thank you so much for teaming up with us to tell this truly horrifying story yeah we appreciate you guys being here yeah this story of sexism big corporations taking advantage of vulnerable people and nightmare fuel inducing radium poisoning yeah and a little bit of slut shaming sprinkled on top just for good measure. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's yeah. not yeah. women's history if we're not talking about slut shaming. <laughs> well, thank you, ladies, so much for having us on. And special thank you to um, Kelly for surprising me months ago with when we did our uh, we had uh, Emily and Kelly on our podcast back in. What was oh, that? God, like March. Was it six it was years ago in two months? No, it was April, May. It was peak quarantine. That's right. Yeah. It was when we were still all making oh bread and God. trying to be optimistic yeah. before just succumbing to the depression. So that was definitely before May. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we we had touched on discussing this topic one day talking about radium girls and we had talked about kate moore's book and how we all really wanted to read it and then like a week or two after we recorded with the whining about history ladies i had an an anonymous gift show up (laughs) on my porch and it was beautifully wrapped in this gorgeous bag and it was the Kate Moore book from Kelly about the Radium Girls. And that was like so, so sweet. And I really appreciated that. And the book definitely got me all fired up to record book. this episode. It's an excellent book. I highly recommend it. And one of the really amazing things about Kate Moore's book is that there are a lot of there's a lot of literature on this topic, but so much of it focuses really heavily on the science and the legal aspects. But Kate exactly. really she walked the streets that these girls took to work. Yeah, she, she, she really hammered home like the personal stories of these girls. She told the stories of the radium girls themselves versus what just happened to them. And so that's the part we that gets that gets us fired up. You know what I mean? That's exactly. th- those are the stories that really are more meaningful to to me personally. Absolutely. Yeah, what she does in her book is I mean, we we these women deserve for us to know that they were funny and quirky and you know, this is the one that wore her favorite dress to work every day and this is the gal that you know, was easy to get along with and made quick friends. And, you know, we deserve to know, they deserve for us to know those things about them. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Well, uh, Rachel and Leah, do you want to tell our listeners once again where they can find you? Sure. So, oh my gosh, I don't have it written down for me like I normally do, Rachel. You don't know where to find yourselves? Come on, me and Emily have this memorized. Because we have fucked it up so So many many times, times. Kelly. (laughs) Like, don't shame them. 
Okay, so you can find us on Instagram. That's primarily where we're at, at hashtag, hashtag history underscore podcast. Um, our website is hashtag history hyphen pod dot com. Uh, <laughs> what else? I think that's that's. I mean, you most- have a Twitter. You're fairly new to Twitter. We, yeah. That the extent is we have a Twitter. Period. <laughs> <laughs> it exists. It exists. It's it's out there. Yeah. Uh, so we're super active on Instagram. Yeah, you are. It's good. And then you can find hashtag history and listen to them wherever you're listening to us right now because we are all in the best places to be. Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. This was so fun. Yeah, so much fun. Thank good. you so much. Seriously, check out hashtag history for all of the dark, corrupt, and creepy history stories that you didn't learn in school and you really wish you would have. Seriously, they're so good. Including, like I said, I recently listened to the real story of uh, John Smith and Pocahontas. Like, go on your lot Disney less magic people. wind, it's guys. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> there were not colors in the wind. Yeah. But it's still wonderful. Well, thank you for listening to this special episode of Whiny About Herstory, where we have the ultimate Herstory power team up with Hashtag History. You can find us on Facebook at Whiny About Herstory, Instagram at WAHpod, Twitter at WAH underscore pod. Our website is Whiny About Herstory, and our email is whinyaboutherstory.com, and we would love to hear from you. We also have a Patreon as well as a Teespring. If you just search Whiny About Herstory, you will find us and our merch and our donation page where if you donate as little as one dollar a month you get extra content such as herstory happenings and behind the scenes video episodes i'm gonna be a witch guys <laughs> check that shit out she says going to be but really she's always one. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> she took it like super cool and rachel's over there like ooh. <laughs> i was like well, this is gonna get nasty and she was like oh my god what a cool <laughs> I mean, if you weren't going to be burned as a witch back in the day, are you even living oh. your life? <laughs> uh, and as always, please leave us five stars wherever you listen. It really helps us out. Uh, again, thank you so much to our guests, Rachel and Leah. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day. And you guys got to say it with us. Bye. Bye. <laughs>